God. Well, listen, we um, want to talk this morning about something that I don't think we've really gone after this whole past year. And it is an amazing subject. And we want to, how many love, I know I'm, it's a general question, but how many just love God? Come on. So that, isn't that why we're all here together? Isn't that amazing, right? And that's one of the things I love about the body of Christ is that what brings us together is a person. It's Him. You know? It's not whether we agree over hobbies or, or any other thing. We, we can enjoy things like that together, but Christ has a diverse body. Different gifts, different kinds of people brings us all together. So we all love God. How many love the nature of God? Come on. How many, how many love the character of God? Amen. How many know, you know, I was just, uh, we're going to, oh, I should give you a heads up. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 today. That way, while I'm, while I'm warming up, as it were, you can be ready in your Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I may reference uh, lots of scripture today. And, um, but the subject of the righteousness of God is on my heart. And, um, and, uh, and so we're going to talk about that. Now, I was just talking, as I was going to say, connecting with Buck. And, you know, one thing I love about Buck is, uh, we were just talking about this, is that I was thinking about over the past year the different revelations, the different things that I've heard Buck share, both with me directly or in a corporate setting or in a group setting. And, and I realized, and those, for those of you who know Buck, you'll, you'll probably say, wow, we've known that forever, that, um, that he has, I re, it just dawned on me this week, because I was thinking about something he'd shared at Key Group this last week. And, um, and, uh, and uh, you know, Buck has this fascination with creation. And, and actually, and what, what, why he's fascinated with creation is because the nature of God is on display in the, in creation. And, and so you'll hear lots of times the revelation he gets is, is, you know, it'll be something connected to the things that God has made. And the Bible says in, in Romans that the invisible attributes of God, the things that we can't see about God, isn't this amazing that our, our walk with God is tangible. We experience Him. He speaks to us. We feel His presence. He, he does tangible things. He does miracles. He shows up in power. And yet He's invisible. And that's the faith part. Isn't it? It's that you, that, that, you know, you believe what you can't see and then you experience what is true, what actually is reality. And creation, the Bible says in Romans, it says that the invisible, these invisible things, these invisible attributes of God. Now, invisible doesn't mean that it doesn't have substance. It means you can't see it with your natural eyes. That's all it means. Wind is invisible, but none of us would argue whether it exists. I mean, it'll blow you right over depending on where you are in the world. And, um, and, and, uh, and so I love that about creation. I, I, and and so that when you look around, actually, the Bible says, and this is just for free. Again, we're just warming up right now. But, but like the Bible says that the nature of God is on display all around us and the things that he's made, I'm paraphrasing, in such a clear way 
that actually no one will ever be able to stand before God and say, I didn't know. (laughs) That's what it says there in Romans. It's like, it's so clear from God's perspective. He said, I am everywhere on display all around. You can't even go outside and avoid me. You can't look in the mirror and avoid me. And 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 so and, it, and for God, he's like, it is so clear that you'll never no one will ever be able to stand in front of me and say, well, I just stare. No, he's like, oh, man, did you see? Did you look up? Did you see any trees? Did you see scar stars? I mean, the heavens were declaring the earth was revealing. And so and uh, I I'm anyway, I love that we share that. I think how many share that same fascination? And we are in, like, the perfect place for that, isn't it? Aren't we? Like, the center of the universe. Hmm. So we're talking about the righteousness of God. Um, so, Second Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to read the very last verse, 21, of that chapter. And it says... And he made the one who did not know sin, who's the one? Come on. To be sin for us. So that we might become the righteousness of God. Just let that sink in. Literally, if we all just went home and thought about that for the rest of the week we'd be changed. Think about this. Let this just open up to you. Think about it. What does it mean, the righteousness of God? He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Powerful. When I think about righteousness, often when people talk about righteousness, it the idea of righteousness gets reduced to a list of things to conform to. You know what I'm talking about, right? Hey, if you, you know, if you're going to live... Now, righteousness looks like something. How many would agree with that? Right? Righteousness looks like something. But um, we used to sing that song uh, in, like in the Brownsville Revival days. That's where it came out. Uh, where we go, righteousness, righteousness is what I long for. Anybody know that song? Righteousness is what I need. And then holiness. And and I, I always loved that song. And I still do, actually. I still love the song. And yet there's an element to that song that when I really think about it, I do need. But what I'm really saying is that I need something I already have. We're going to talk more about that. What does it mean to actually be the righteousness of God? It's really good news. How many of you have ever heard of a man named R.T. Kendall? So R.T. Kendall said this. He said, the time that you heard the gospel and you thought, that's too good to be true. That's the time you actually heard it. <laughs> that's a good word, isn't it? And, and sometimes we can be so good at taking the absolute good news of God and adding just a little bit of labor to it. Because we feel better if we just worked a little bit for it. 
But the part I work for actually doesn't amount to righteousness before God. It amounts to, well, filthy rags. <laughs> the Bible says it's, it's worthless. Any, anything in my own efforts. All right, we're going to move on. Righteousness is not a list of rules to follow. Righteousness is a surrender to God and a gift from God. Righteousness is actually a gift from God that we receive through surrendered faith. Righteousness, do you know, righteousness is actually not following a list. Do you know the amazing thing is that Paul said that the law was not able. So, the law of God was perfect. The problem was we were not. God says, here's the perfect law. You know what the problem is? I can't do it. The law is good. The problem is I can't do it. Because if one time I mess up, I failed the whole thing. And we started that way. So, I was watching a video this last week, and it came up on Facebook. And um, I was, it was, somebody was sharing about how they'd been, you know, going to church that week, and the way they'd been studying, and really spending some extra time with God and and um, but then they said something that just got my heart and they said um, they said and you know <laughs> it's painful uh, they said you know the more time I spend with him the more I realize how much I fail him and I thought oh it's so painful because it's just not true can you imagine? Can you imagine our heavenly Father? You go spend time with him, and and we're like, "Oh, Father, I love you so much." And he goes, "I know. Do you know you just fail me?" <laughs> I know. I know. This is kind of a. I know. I'm stirring the pot a little bit, but I'm I'm prepping the ground for something, like, and. You know what that is? It's actually condemnation. And um, I had I had this experience in my life years ago, where I had this duality happening in my own life, in my own heart, my own mind. And that you know, it's called sanctification. It's a journey, right? Sanctification really comes down to this lining up. With him. So, we'll get back to that. I was living in a revelation of God's grace. Saving grace. I'd been radically saved. And I was experiencing the love of God in a way that I had never experienced before. In my, I'm like 20, you know, early 20s. And and yet, how many can relate to this? Probably every single one of us in here who's been born again at some point. And yet, there was this nagging sort of voice that kind of followed me around a little bit. That was always saying, you haven't prayed enough. You haven't read enough. You're not quite doing enough. You should have 
witnessed. You should have, yeah, you know, whatever it was, that you should have done something more than you have already done. And because I haven't, Papa is not that happy with you. Not as happy as you could be if you had done more. And the reality is, is that you and I actually have no ability to affect God's love for us. Listen, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, the Bible says. When you think about you, whatever your lowest place in your life was, whenever you were furthest from God, completely crushed under sin, under condemnation, maybe it was just the weight, whatever it was, if you could imagine, Heavenly Father was looking, saying, Oh, come home. I love you. And when I surrendered to Him, He didn't love me more. Because He couldn't. He already loved me infinitely. What changed was, my experience of his love for me. What it changed was, I began to experience the reality of his love for me that was aimed at me since before I was ever imagined by my mom and dad. That before time began, he already called me by name. He was, he was already going, oh, my son Brandon... I love him so much. Oh, man. Oh, I've got dreams. Oh, I can't wait. You know, like this is, this is your father. Oh, Juanita. Oh, man, I've got dreams. I, oh, I love her creativity. I, I, I just love her expression, the way she worships. You know, oh, you know, this is the father. Oh, Louise. Oh, her, her, her love for my word, the gift of faith that she carries. I love that about her. I gave that gift to her and I love how she carries it. Oh, I delight in my daughter. If you could imagine, this is God imagining, dreaming about you when he said, the day will come when Brian will be born. When Ted, when Suki, when Fenton, when Bill. When, you know, like, this is our father's heart toward us. Now, on another message, the reality is, and this is also amazing, because this is a sign of true relationship, that even though God's love for me is never in question, it can never increase or diminish, because how do you affect infinite? Do you understand, like, infinite isn't a lot of something. Infinite is measureless. Eternity is not lots of time. Eternity is no time. No, it doesn't exist. It's just you exist. God exists. That's why he is the I am. He that comes to God must believe that he exists. (laughs) So good. Okay. And and so, (laughs) so, I'm getting fascinated right now. I got to stand track. And so, um, So eternity is to be outside of time. Infinity is to be outside of limit. Both of those things describe God's love for you. 
When did it start? It always was. When does it end? It can't. Because start and end actually have to do with time. And when you get down to it, Jesus shows up and he even says, time. (laughs) If you really want to get into it, time actually isn't a clock. Time actually comes down to it's measured by a person. I am the Alpha and the Omega. It starts and ends with me. That's pretty deep. That's when your mind goes... Which, by the way, is the true goal and end of beholding God. Not that we go, now I get you. When we, the longer you behold God, and this is the goal of it all, because the goal is not, I get you, now I understand you, God. The goal is to know Him, to be amazed by Him, and to worship Him. And so when we stare at God and we behold God, what the end of a true beholding of God is what the 24 elders are doing for the rest of eternity. Throw down your crown, hit the deck and say, holy, you're too big for my brain. You're so awesome. That's what happens, you know. So so when you get to the point where you're like, you know, I know how things are. And I know what God does. And I know I know you're like, well, we need, if I get there, I need to gaze more. I need to go back to gazing. Because the more I gaze, the more I realize. The less I know, but the more I know Him. But we're talking about the righteousness of God. The gospel, the good news of the gospel is this. That it actually isn't about your work. The whole point of the gospel is it's about his work. The good news is I'm not trying to be righteous. I'm discovering that I am. (laughs) That's good news. Like when he said it's finished, he meant it. I think, you know, I think he knew. Like he didn't say it's finished. Oh, there's a couple more things I forgot. No, it's finished. The message of the gospel is about what Christ has accomplished for us and given to us, which we get to receive by what? Faith. Faith. What does it mean to have faith? I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Now, I understand what it's like to live under this idea that somewhere I'm failing God. How many can relate to that? How many don't want to admit it? And, and that's okay. You know, maybe we can raise our hands for both if we want. And, um, you know, but that's the point, isn't it? The whole point is not about how good I am or how good you are. It's about how good he is. And the fact that he became sin, the Bible says, for me, so that I could be what he is. This is really good news. Because the key to manifesting righteousness is not to try harder. I remember feel like, how many have ever believed that, like, I need to be more righteous? <laughs> At some point in your life. I mean, not today. or Maybe you just know somebody. But, but you know, 
<laughs> anyway. <laughs> How many have ever thought, like, hey, that word, I wish so-and-so was here to hear that word. I bet God knew how to get them here if that word was for them. <laughs> anyway, I'm like, I know, man, I wish so-and-so was here to hear that. Sometimes it's real, right? And you're like, you know, I'm here, so maybe. <laughs> maybe I'll receive it for myself. And that's the, fa- that's the fact, isn't it? Like, you and me are not in control of what someone else receives. The only thing I am in control of is how much I receive. You know? You know, when I start... When I start thinking about... Oh, anyway. It's a good rabbit trail. But I think you got it. And, um, and so... <clears throat> we're going to move forward. Faith means that we believe. Righteousness is not something that you do. It's someone that you are. That's just if you believe the Bible. And, but it, it says, I know, but it's crazy. Sometimes if you ever read the Bible and you go, that is what it says. I've been reading this for years. That's what it says. Wait, I want to be righteous. And he's like, how righteous is righteousness? Because you're not just righteous, you are righteousness of God. Like, in other words, this, this is the gospel. So, the, it's too good to be true, but it is true. So, that means that my father could say, he'd sit there with all his angels, and he goes, Hey guys, you want to see my righteousness? Look at Roger! There it is. We doing okay? It's good news. Someone said once that religion, and how many know when we often talk about religion, we're talking about our efforts to reach God, right? Or our efforts to to please God. Right? We understand that the scripture uses the word religion, pure and undefiled religion, right? It's to help the orphan and the widow. So we understand that there's a pure form. Often when we talk about religion, we're talking about a system in which we're trying to build a tower to God, like Babel, right? Look what we built. I'm going to reach you. Do you like me now? Do you like what I did? Have I done enough? Have I earned it? And, and, Really, what the gospel is about is not my ability to reach God. It's about my ability to surrender to His reach to me. I can't reach you. And He's like, I've already reached you. Just surrender to me. And Paul was like, hey guys, you're being foolish. What God started in the Spirit, are you going to polish it up with your own efforts? Great job, God. You know what? I'll tell you how I can make that better. I mean, you did all right. Watch what I can do. <laughs> I am going to improve on the righteousness that you gave me. Watch my works. Now you really like me, don't you? 
Now, the fact is, is that even though we cannot affect our level of righteousness or how much God loves us, thank God, he's never going to love me less, he's never going to love me more. Even when I do better, he won't love me better. How many have ever listened to that Graham Cook? Hey, he loves you because he loves you because he loves you. It never gets old. Side note, what we can affect is we can, here's what's amazing. His love is unconditional. It's fathomless. It can't be measured. And yet, through my relationship with him, I still have the ability to bring delight, which is different, delight to his heart. Now, this cuts against the idea that God is stoic or immovable because he actually delights in us. He was delighting in himself for all eternity. Then he creates us because he wants more people to delight in. He likes, God loves to delight. And he loves for us to be delighted. And that means that what I do with the gift that God has given me actually can bring delight to his heart. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing that I could actually bring something to God that he didn't have a minute ago? But he doesn't need anything. But yet through my surrender, my affection, my faith, my not my working faith, my surrendering to his, to him, he's like, oh, I love that. Okay. So what am I saying? I'm saying that works cannot produce righteousness, but righteousness does produce works. Apples don't produce trees. Trees produce apples. An apple tree is an apple tree even when there's no apples on it. Before it ever grows apples, it's an apple tree. What is that? It's going to become an apple tree as soon as it gets some apples on it. No, we know what that is. Self-discipline or self-control can never... Here's, here's one. This will help you. It will help somebody. It's helped me. Self-discipline and self-control actually do not produce righteousness. You know, I'm trying to be more patient. You know, I'm trying to... I'm working on... That's great. But it won't add anything to God's love for you or His acceptance of you. And I think sometimes we take what the Bible talks about as the fruits of righteousness or the fruits of the Spirit. And then we take the fruit and we go, I'm going to work on this fruit. I'm going to work on kindness. I, I mean, I'm going to work on self-control. And, the, and my ability to develop self-control within myself is going to make God happy. And it will be a work of righteousness. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see what we do? Sometimes. And when the Lord is saying, actually, when you rest, just take a deep breath. Stop 
stop trying. Have a seat. Lay down. Now think about what I have provided for you. Hey, I've got something to tell you. You are righteous. What? No, not me. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner, Lord. No. No, you were born again. Remember that? Somebody said, I was born perfect the second time. But I still make mistakes. Oh, yeah. But it's still a finished work. Let me say this. This will help you understand the journey. We're triune beings, aren't we? Spirit, soul, body. My spirit was born again incorruptible. That's who you are. So you're righteous. My soul is experiencing something on a journey. And it's called sanctification. Or, and, and sanctification actually boils down to, and this is kind of what we're going after today with, with this subject of being the righteous of God. Sanctification comes down to the renewing of the mind, actually, to line up with the reality of his finished work and the things that he says. And so we think, I'll be more righteous when I try harder. And God says, no, my, my righteousness in you will shine brighter and brighter the more you realize what I have done. And that's what it means when righteousness comes by faith. It says that Abraham believed God. And that's what made him righteous. But he did. He followed me. He. Yeah. But you know why he moved to a place he didn't know? Because he believed God. It was a good idea. Isn't that amazing? Believing God is what activates the fruit of what he's done in our life. Right? The price is paid for our sins. When I believe that and I rest my faith and my whole life upon it, what happens? Oh, I become born again. As I walk with God, I've heard it said, uh, I was saved when I believed on him. What is it? I was transformed when I believed like him. Yeah, it's actually Steve. Steve Backlund says this. He says, uh, I never, I had to hear it a few times. You know, you ever hear something and you go, and it kind of does finally settle in and you go, no, I own that. That's true. Like it said, he said, I was saved when I believed on Jesus, but I'm transformed as I believe like Jesus. In other words, I believed on him for salvation, but the transformation of me happens as I think more and more like him, which is the renewing of the mind. And absolutely comes into play with the subject of that righteousness is someone that I am, not something I'm trying to be. Someone said this, a great quote, it's not mine, but I'm taking it. He said, religion is when I try to do for myself what only Christ could do for me. Just think about that. 
Try and be more holy. Try and be more right. You can't. You can't. You can't do it. But the good news is, you already are. If you said yes to Him, you're on that track. You are destined for perfection. And God has so much faith in Himself and in His ability and in His finished work that He's just going to treat you that way already. Because whatever He starts, He's like, I've never not finished anything. I've started. The, the moment I started, it's already done. It's, it's, is that amazing? God's track record, His integrity, His faithfulness is so perfect that if He starts something, actually, and if He even says something, it's done. In His mind, He's like, well, that's taken care of. But I've been living for so many years. And He was like, you mean that vapor? Isn't that amazing? When, when we think about our life, we think about this long journey with God, and yet, and yet with God, our life, the way He experiences a human life, according to the Scripture, is that like on a cold day, when you breathe out and it dissipates, it's shorter than that. I mean, it's like that. And all of this transformation, all this journey happens. <laughs> yeah. So righteousness is a gift to us, not a wage. If, right, we know what our wages are, right? We've all sinned. So the Bible says that the wages of sin, if you get what you deserve, Fenton said to me, I'm going to mess it up. But this week we were connecting and Fenton goes, you know, I feel like I deserve something. He had my attention. He's like, what I feel like I deserve is, I'm going to mess it up. But basically it was like, to be crucified, to be beaten, to be nailed to a cross, to be... I was like, oh, I see where you're going with this. We don't get what we deserve. We get what He deserves. That's too good to be true, isn't it? Believing in Christ and what He has done for you renews the mind to produce His righteous fruit. The fruit of righteousness. Fruit doesn't make you righteous. It's the result of knowing that you are. Are we doing okay? So the answer to me manifesting Christ in a greater way in the world, wherever I go. Now, we talk a lot about overt evangelism, but the fact is we are all lights in the world. Right? Here's the thing. You are a witness. I understand that there is a place for using your mouth, right? We have a message, right? The message is important. But you're a message. So you are a light wherever you go. The fact is, what's amazing is that even on your worst day, there's a light inside of you. You feel like you're not a light. You still are. It's amazing. I love that kind of evangelism when somebody goes, what's different about you? Yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> yeah. All right.
what we believe actually determines what we manifest. You know, what's true to you, seem, like what's true for you, seems true to you. Right? Now, the world says it like this, whatever you believe is true for you. And I'm saying, what you believe, your life experience, you, what you believe seems true to you. And your life will line up with the things you believe. Like, does that make sense? I believe God's not happy with me. You're going to feel like God's not happy with you every day. Even though it's a lie. God's tolerating me. When you believe that, life is kind of a bummer. Like, and in that area. And... And your emotions line up with that. And then there's confirming things that happen. You're going to go, oh, that happened because of this, etc. Right? So what, what you believe seems true to you. But, the, but, but, but when, we, when we believe the truth, we're free. Do you see what I said there? What I believe is going to seem true to me every day. And I'm going to have evidence for you that it's true. That's not true. Well, yes, it is, because this happened and this and this and this always and they always and I always. And and it's this just like that thing. Like the more time I spend with God, the more I realize how much I fail him. And I'm like, that is surely not the message that Papa is revealing to you. That is a lie. It is a lie because it is nowhere in here. This says I'm the righteous of God. How can God be perpetually unhappy with his own righteousness? I'm just tolerating myself. No. For me, a massive breakthrough, this thing called condemnation, really began to come off my life one morning. It was this work of grace God did. And it's through the word. I'm telling you. This word, when you really just look, if, if you've got a belief that can't be found in here, you've got, you've got to get rid of it. You've got to find truth for that. So I wake up this morning, one morning I just wake up, and Caleb used to play this song, and it's, a, and it's there is therefore now no condemnation. Have you ever heard the song? There is therefore no condemnation. Those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, I wake up one morning. I was working at this manufacturing place. I wake up one morning, and that song is just... The moment I wake up... Anybody ever wake up with a song in your heart? And But it was like, I'm just singing this song over and over. And every time I sing it, this is my experience, every time I'm singing this word, it's the word of God. I'm singing the word of God. It's in my heart. And every time I sing it, the Spirit of God is coming over me like in waves. And I just feel it. I feel them right now. Anybody else? And, and throughout that day, I'm seeing it. God's ministering to me through His Word in song as I sing it. It's just rolling over in my spirit. And I'm singing it. And, and that day, I, and, and going forward that week, I had such a breakthrough and a freedom from condemnation on my life 
that that really is the weak, that that it's a spirit, that lying voice began to get busted in my life where I realized, at least I know now if I hear it, that's a lie. Do you know what the best thing about a lie is? It's not true. They're like, the devil's been lying to me. Well, the moment you know it's a lie, good news, it's not true. It's when I don't know it's a lie that it hangs me up. You know? Eats my lunch. Anybody? You know what I'm talking You've all had your lunch eaten. But there's a continual feast. All right. We're going to close this. Here's good news. You're in Christ. Do you think that Christ could have anything or anyone in him that was unholy? Have you ever thought of it that way? We're in Christ. Do you think that the Lord himself could have anything in him that wasn't holy, righteous, pure? And that's the key. It says that because we're in Christ, because it says that we became the righteousness of God in him. All my hope is the fact that I am in him and by position and because of his work, I'm holy. So that means there's no room in my life for condemnation. What I found is that the harder I worked on trying to get better, The, the harder it was. But you know when breakthrough came? When I really realized I couldn't do it. And I said, I can't do it, God. And he's like, I know. I've been waiting for you to say that. Oh, good news. I did it already. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever realized we've got such a value for process? And I, I know that life is a process. But the reality is, have you ever noticed that when God is working a process in your life, I've noticed something about the end of my process and the breakthrough. There's something that always happens right there. It's called surrender. Which led me to believe maybe it's actually about the surrender and not about the length of the process. What if I could learn to surrender more quickly? Maybe I could shorten some of these processes. Lord, help me. I suspect it's true. <laughs> Yea, God. There may be voices that would like to speak to your identity, but the only one who is right is your Father. You can't even trust yourself on this one. Do you know God's always saying something better about me even than I am? How many can relate like you're, you're a little harder on yourself than other people? Which kind of makes us be, it kind of, we kind of share what we have. But, but, um, but, you know, the more that I learn just to be loved by him and to receive and go, you know, I'm actually righteous, Lord. That's how you see me. I actually am righteousness, the embodiment of it. 
that the belief in that truth is what causes the outflow and the outshining of the righteousness of God in this world. It's not that I try harder. It's that I believe. Which produces fruit. Which has to do with abiding. Amen. So our spirit, here's, if you're taking notes, our spirit, when you are a believer in Christ, if you're a believer and a follower of Christ, you've been what? Born again. So, number one, our spirit is perfectly born of God. Our minds are being renewed. This is what brings the transformation of the souls, of the soul. This is what, this is what we're talking about here. This is what transforms my inner world which affects my entire outer world. My thoughts, my emotions, the surrender of my own will to God. That's the process of sanctification, renewing the mind. And then there's a third part, which I was going to read this whole chapter. I chose not to for the sake of time. But you can find it here, and you can find it in Romans 8. And there's this idea that you and me are groaning to be fully clothed with immortality or with life. That there, this seed, this incorruptible seed in us, is actually groaning towards God and saying, Someday, I'm going to put off this tent, and I'm going to get a perfect one. So, your spirit is perfect. This is how it's up. Randall Worley. You guys ever heard of Randall Worley? He's going to be here in November. He's coming to Mountain Chapel on a Sunday morning in November. If you've never heard of Randall... He is an incredible, revelatory teacher. You're going to love him. You want to definitely be here for it. And um, it's in November coming up. And, uh, oh, yay, God. So he said it this way. I just remembered. He said, he said, if you want to understand your salvation, he said, your spirit has been saved. Your soul is being saved. And your body will be saved. Now, I understand we have an inheritance now for all those things in this life. And yet there's another reality that says, I I continue to be renewed. I look more like him. I'm like him more all the time in here. Which my life continues to take form. And yes, there is miraculous healing. But someday I'm going to get a brand new eternal body. So that's what it means, full salvation. We're going to close with this. Since you are the righteousness of God, this is why he said, let your light shine. Not try to be light. Do your best to be light. No, he said, let. How many feel the ease in that? Let. We're not trying to be righteous. We're realizing that he has made us righteous. As we alone are thinking with, um, as we align our thinking with his finished work, we manifest his righteousness to the world. I don't need to try harder. I just need a greater revelation of what he's done.
if you've surrendered to Christ, all of that desire that you have inside is already working you. The best thing we can do is to break up with condemnation and fully embrace the truth. Would you stand?